Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. tenth edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a seam pass across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Hey guys, uh, another exciting podcast. We got the Heisman stuff going on, we got Army-Navy, and uh, we're on the eve of bowl season, and uh, that only means one thing. The eve of bowl season also means the eve of Christmas. And so uh, I'm excited to be here. What about you guys? Uh, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited to be here, too. Merry Christmas, happy, Hanza, ha- happy Hanukkah, joyous Kwanzaa, and a happy new year to everyone out there. Uh, whenever Christmas you are celebrating. Christmas Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Amen to that. Um, we can't, are, get, we, we yeah. can't get started in our uh, holiday festivities without the third amigo in the second city. A man whose love is vengeance that's never free. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Hey, you guys are, are bearing the biggest holiday of all, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Oh, we're going to talk about some uh, Southern Utah-Kent State matchup later on in the show. But first, let's uh, hop right into the hot stove. Since we last talked, three more jobs have been filled. Uh, probably the highest profile of those is Steve Adazio headed to Colorado State. He was just canned from Boston College from, for being uh, exceedingly middle of the pack. And now he heads to Colorado State, which, if I'm honest, Josh, I don't understand this hire at all. Colorado State, you know, if you're a Colorado State or pretty much any Mountain West school for that matter, should be looking for, should be targeting guys who are, you know, younger coordinator types, I would imagine, not someone who's been, uh, around the block a few too many times, if you ask me, Josh. Yeah, I'll tell you why he got hired. It, this is directly from the ESPN write-up of the hire. So I'm, I'm directly quoting. Sources said former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer assisted Colorado State with its search and had a role in selecting candidates. Meyer, a Colorado State assistant from 1990 to 95, is close with Adazio and had Adazio on his staff at Florida from 2005 to 2010. So they hired him because they, well, they didn't do a search. <laughs> and is, is Urban Meyer really the search committee that you want running this coach? Um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. <laughs> so, so I'm seeing that Bobo went 28 and 35, 20 and 20. That feels about the over-under for Steve Adazio. I think these are going to be three more nondescript awful years of Colorado State football. Well, say, well, well yeah. that was five years of Colorado State football, but I don't think it does the last five years of Colorado State. Oof, this yeah. is, I, I imagine that, you know, they might take a step forward on defense, but they'll probably take two steps backward on offense. 
Yeah, it, it's really, really an odd, odd hire, especially when Tony Alford is sitting right there, um, ready to go. He's Colorado State guy. Um, so, yeah, I think they botched this one. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been pretty widely panned so far and everything I've been reading about it. And I think we're all on the same page on that one. Uh, another move that is a bit of a head scratcher, probably a little bit less of a head scratcher, considering that he's, you know, from the area. But Willie Taggart, uh, you know, in the last, uh, what, three and a half calendar years, he's gone from uh, South Florida to Oregon to Florida State, now to Florida Atlantic. I believe is the is the circuitous path he's taken there, coach. And I don't know. I I don't feel like he's necessarily the, the right guy to re- even re- replace Lane Kiffin. I don't. I mean, they have pretty different offensive philosophies, don't they? Um. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think Taggart's more of the Chip Kelly, uh, Oregon kind of spread. Uh, you know, you kind of saw that at South Florida. <coughs> And Lane Kiffin is kind of a well, not kind of. He is a pro style um, with uh, some spread concepts, but he's mostly pro style. So yes, very vastly different systems. But also, I just think Lane Kiffin is a phenomenally better coach than Willie Taggart is. I think there's a reason that Willie Taggart has been a nomad. Um, I, I do not like this hire. I think they could have, you know, I, I think they could have gone if they were going to take a chance on somebody. They could have gone with like an assistant, like a top assistant somewhere. Um, somebody that, you know, if you're going to take a risk and you have that, you know, power of saying, hey, we can take a chance on this first time coordinator. Um, you know, we don't necessarily know for sure what he's got, but surely he's got more than this retread who's been kind of run out of just about everywhere. He's been yeah, so because Josh, you know that the first offer he gets that that's at a Power Five school, he's Bolton Town. Yeah, I mean it could even be uh, next year a, a higher quality Group of Five program too. I mean, what if you know? Um, I don't Memphis. know, just spitballing here, like yeah, like Memphis, Temple. A, a Temple, a Tulane. You know, we we love Willie Fritz for so many jobs. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, in like a bad way. Higher for. Florida Atlantic because either he's going to be like coach said a retread or he's going to have one season where they look good and he's going to flop or or he's going to bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's just not very good for your long-term projection. And we've seen that we've seen that it is possible to win at FAU. I mean, Lane Kiffin did it pretty darn well Two uh, two conference USA titles in three years um, while he was there. Uh, there's a certain type of kid you can recruit to FAU. There's a lot of talent in that part of the country. We've talked about it ad nauseum about the, you know, um, the state of Miami. And, you know, there are always going to be kids who slip through the cracks there who are still super talented. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the worst hire they could have made, but I still don't feel like it's that inspiring. Um, yeah. I would be much more inspired, frankly, uh, and I am much more insp- inspired by Marcus Arroyo, who is headed to UNLV. He is most recently the quarter, uh, the, sorry, the, the quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator at Oregon. He is the person who you know has been molding Justin Herbert for the last uh, four, four years, a bear, <laughs> um, and you know is you know t- really transformed that uh, 
Oregon offense. They've had their ups and their downs, but from everything I've read about him, seems to be a very well-respected and uh, well-liked coach and a very good uh, recruiter. Yeah. Um, UNLV got it right, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think UNLV has the right idea. They know what they are, um, and they know that um, UNLV is not a – extremely long-term place for any head coach so why not why not get a coordinator on the rise you get some shine when they get their next power five job and you're not just you know and it's not just like willie taggart where you know somebody uses your job as a stepping stone to Tulane. you know somebody's going to go to unlv and then use that as a stepping stone to like a pac-12 job because Marcus Royo's very successful coordinator within the Pac-12, you know, that's the next step. So I, I think that um, that's certainly a better option than than, than the retreads, uh, in my opinion. If you're if you're a Group of Five school, especially a Group of Five school that hasn't had the recent success uh, like UNLV. So uh, Marcus Royo, where where does that where am I? getting that familiar feeling with that name where did he did he i mean play he quarter- played quarterback for san jose state okay i was thinking somebody else then i thought he played at washington <laughs> thinking of uh marcus tuyasasopo um well no i know he did i know he's been in the nfl coaching um but uh and pretty successful yeah. too actually yeah um but I really like uh, – there's motion at my front door, by the way. This uh, That alert brought to you by Ring Doorbell. Uh, <laughs> get one this holiday season. Uh, I was not paid to say that. Uh, but no, hey, Let's I, get I, some of that Ring money, guys. I know, right? Come uh. on, Ring. Uh, there's your endorsement, Ring. Come on. Show me the money. Uh, no, I, I really like this hire, though. He's young, energetic, knowledgeable, runs a great system, good at quarterback development. Um, just Coach. good all around. Yeah. I think you were thinking of Bronson Arroyo, the former Cincinnati oh, Red yeah, pitcher. Um, a hire that I love, uh, quite honestly, is App State doing the simple but smart thing. They just promoted Sean Clark, mm. Ted Coach, and Clark's been uh, – well, he played there. He's a two-time All-American in the 90s. He's been a graduate assistant a few places, and then he's been at App State um, since 2016. So he's been a part of some damn good football teams, and he served as an assistant head coach this year. So keeping it in family, knows how to run a good program, learned from Satterfield, saw what Dingowich did this year. So I think that is a very effective hire for App State. Dingowich. He looks like a Dingowich. (laughs) I've seen some pictures. The Dingowich ate my baby. (laughs) The Dingowich ate my baby. No, he he looks like a – he he looks like a a computer salesman in like his recruiting pictures. Like he does not look like a like, door to door computer salesman. Do those things even exist still? Uh, if they do, am I going to buy a Gateway Two Thousand? Yep. If that existed, it would be Eli Dingowitz. <laughs> uh, Eli uh, Dragon with Dragon Force which, Dragomir? Uh, Dragon Ball Z. I feel like this is like the scene from Rookie of the Year where they're like. Uh, they can't get Rowan Gardner's name right ever. Uh, this, oh, this Henry is, this Rowan gonna, Gardner. This is gonna be this is gonna be that for us. Uh, but but seriously, like I, I haven't seen a more like underwhelming hire for an SEC school. 
well, maybe maybe Birdie Bielema, but at least he had some pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. From Wisconsin. I mean, he yep. flopped big time in Arkansas, but at least he had a pedigree a little bit. Like Eli Drinkowitz is. I mean, we talked about him at length the other night, so I'm not going to get back into that. But I just saw some recruiting pictures, and I was like, "Wow!" Like he's in the, he's in the uh, Jeff Collins family of looking extremely uh, lame in their uh, everyday normal clothes. Like Jeff Collins, Jeff Collins, his sideline attire. Um, it looks like uh, he he's a double X and he squeezes into a medium. Uh oh, yeah. And but aren't he, the uh, clothes themselves from like the Jim Harbaugh collection? No, no, oh, no. they're not. Okay. No, Jeff Collins is very Jeff Collins is very metro. If you if you catch my drift, he uh he doesn't wear socks. He wears uh and none of his and all of his pants expose his ankles, and they're very tight. Okay, yeah, no, I'm I just did a Google image search and I am That's I don't know if I'm glad or mortified that I did, but yeah, like he like he, he, he really looks, likes those the, those very tight fitting uh white mock turtlenecks. Yes. Um he he, he he went to uh he took a recruiting picture. Um that's the thing now you take a recruiting picture every high school you go to. He took a recruiting picture and he's wearing um uh, I think a white mock with a, a blue blazer that has a GT pin on it and tight jeans and exposed ankles. Oh, come on, man. You got to cover up the Achilles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a weak look. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not going to be able to do it. No, I can't do it. Well, for those of you who uh, can't, uh, don't know what to do uh, for your football fix this weekend, now that, now that uh, conference championships are over, uh, have no fear. The FCS playoffs are here. We are in the national quarterfinals, and it's already been fantastic. This weekend, though, we've got North Dakota State playing Illinois State uh, in a uh, in a matchup of Missouri Valley Conference schools. And uh, Josh, obviously, North Dakota State you know, the, not just the odds on favorite, but the heavy favorite to go all the way this year. So is there anything Illinois state can do to take down, uh, you know, the Alabama of the FCS? Well, when they played earlier this year, Illinois state got popped in the mouth right away. They were down 16 to three at the end of the first quarter, down 23 to three at halftime, lost the game 37 to three. So they need to have a lot better start, obviously. Um, Not a team you want to fall down behind by multiple scores. So they need to play a lot better in that first quarter. Um, They're going to have to win ugly. The other problem, they were just atrocious passing the ball in their previous matchup. So, um, But the the loss dropped Illinois State to 3-2. and Since then... Pretty good. They're ten and four coming to this game, so they've definitely righted the ship. So they'll be a different team than what North Dakota State manhandled a couple months ago. But um, you know, the Bison are an overwhelming favorite for a reason. Bison. Yeah, Coach. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't even matter who's in those uniforms anymore. No, it doesn't. No, and you know, it's the game's in the Fargo Dome. I, I, I really don't see much of any chance for Illinois state to win this one. Uh, Josh, another, another 
Missouri Valley team still uh, alive. You know, out of the eight remaining teams, three of them are 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 MVC teams. Uh, Northern Iowa is uh, heading to play James Madison uh, this weekend in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, can Isn't the Purple Brian Panthers nemesis? Say that again. <laughs> Isn't that Brian Ferentz's nemesis? Northern Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they should hire Ferentz away. Um, <laughs> but well, they don't need a they don't need a new coach though. I mean, they're doing just fine. Uh, JMU, uh, another excellent season. We've talked about them. Number two seed, um, twelve and one on the year. Josh, um, you know, they seem to be on a collision course with North Dakota State. But can I don't want to say the team of your youth, but can the ancillary <laughs> team of your youth uh, do anything here? Well, defense is portable, and you and I has played really good defense all year. This last stretch to get in the playoffs and into the playoffs, they've been playing phenomenal defense. James Madison's just a different animal. You look at their last few scores, 66, 56, 48, 54. Uh, they're rolling. And I think the Northern Iowa defense can acquit itself, hold James Madison maybe in the 20s or 30s. The problem is the Panthers just – they cannot score – so James Madison should win. I think the Panthers can make it interesting and, and put up a good fight and have the dreaded moral victory cliche, but, uh, but the Dukes are, they're a different animal. This sounds like the SEC championship. Um, one team has the high powered offense. The other team has a high powered defense and struggles on offense. Um, and you saw in today's game, what that gets you, it gets your shellacking. Um, you got to be able to play offense in today's football, uh, and that's going to not bode well for for Northern Iowa. Um, and I think James Madison is going to, you know, like they do with most of their opponents, they're going to roll. Uh, they're going to put their points up. You and I is going to struggle, um, and also Northern Illinois, Northern Iowa is going to uh, struggle too. But um, did you get my reference there, guys? <laughs> did you get it? Uh, you and I. That's probably uh, that joke was probably better than Northern Iowa's offense, um, just so you know. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll struggle. Uh, James Madison just too strong all over. Uh, they got a good enough defense to uh, to make themselves pretty pretty unstoppable. Well, uh, the winner of that game is going to face off against the winner of the game uh, that is taking place um, over uh, in Ogden, Utah, Weber State versus the Grizz of Montana. Uh, this is probably the most evenly matched uh, contest we're going to see this uh, this round, Josh. And it should be a, a good one. I imagine that we will see um, uh, a lot of offense. Yeah, another game that's been played recently that's sometimes the fun thing with these FCS games. A couple months ago when they played, the Grizz won 35-16. Game was never as close as that score since Weber had 13 points in the fourth quarter coming into it down 35-3. to But what's interesting about the game is Montana really did not play that well. Inefficient on third down, two of ten. Um, 394 yards, but it was kind of a slog to get there. They passed all right, except through two picks. Running the ball, not terribly effective. They had more penalties. Really, the difference was the turnover issue. I mentioned Montana threw two picks, but Weber couldn't help but give it the game away. They had uh, three picks, 
lost a fumble. So I, I think this game should be much, much closer if Weber State just doesn't cough up the ball that many times. So I'm I'm really excited for this game. This outside of the Northern Iowa game, obviously, since I've got some, you know, Iowa connections to that. Um, this game out in Utah, I'm really excited about because I I don't know where it's going to go. It looks like a coin flip pick 'em type game. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, Weaver State was uh, victorious again over the uh, Kennesaw State uh, Owls, which uh, which is a unique mascot. Um, when we do our mascot show again, um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, they're they're a strong team and they're you know they're disciplined. They they tackle well. They, I mean, they just do a lot of lot of good things um, fundamentally. And I, I think it's uh, home field advantage is very very important in, in the FCS playoffs, and um, I think that's going to be important here. Um, we don't know if weather is going to be a factor. Um, it's always fun to watch these games and like the Utahs and the Montanas uh, when they host um, because it's always like driving snowstorms and uh, extreme cold. So um, this will be, this will be a fun one though. This will be a fun one. I I think Montana is going to put up a huge fight. They always do in the FCS playoffs. Um, And I think Weber state is going to also uh, give them all they can handle. So um, if you're going to tune into a game, Aunt Sally, if you're looking for a game to watch, uh, watch this one. This one will be fun. I promise you. Oh, yeah. This one will be a lot of fun, uh, but not as much fun. I think the one that I, I think probably all three of us will definitely be tuning into is the unofficial team of – the unofficial FCS team, I should say, of the podcast. The Austin P. Governors. Uh, they uh, just keep on their winning ways – they have to take the ho hum 1670 mile journey from Clarksville to Bozeman this weekend. No big thing though for the Govs, the 11 and 3 Govs, who you know just continue, continue to uh, do things uh, the right way. Josh, you know, I picked these guys to make it to the final four, and, I, and I'm mm. sticking with my guns here. A little Rodney Dangerfield situation. North Dakota State, ESPN. Weber State, ESPN2. Northern Iowa, ESPN2. This game gets shuffled all the way to ESPN3. What are you doing? Um, look, hey, I, I, it's, it's better than being on the Ocho. That's true. Look, every, every FCS expert imaginable is going to say Montana State big, and they're going to say that one team is in the big sky, that has Weber State, Sac State, Montana State, Montana. All of those were playoff Cal teams. Poly. Eastern Washington, team. Eastern Washington, a, a, a good team. Yeah, Cal Poly, a good team. Uh, big, the Big Sky is a legit conference. And then you look over at Austin P. the OVC. They're the only team in the tournament. So, so much drama yeah, in the OVC. Yeah. It's kind of hard <laughs> to be the Govs of Austin yeah. P. Yes, but here's oh. the but here's the here's the thing. Nice. Awesome P is rolling. And you mentioned that, Matt. Look at these last few scores. 42 to 7 at Murray State, 35-7 Eastern Illinois, 42-6 uh Furman in the playoffs. Then head out to Sac- Sacramento State, 42-28 on the road. They are feeling it. There's something about house money. Um Minnesota had it before Iowa beat them, they were rolling. And it was kind of like 
at some point, yes, they will lose. And I do think Austin P at some point will lose. I don't think they run all the way and win a national title, but I'm going to ride the governor train. Yeah. I'm going to ride the governor train one more week. Um, They beat a team that beat Montana state. So you've got that going for you. And just, you see their splits. They're playing flawless football right now. Coach. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm watching some of their highlights again just to get refamiliarized with them. Mark Hutspeth is doing a tremendous job. Um, I've met a lot of their coaching staff at a recruiting fair uh, this past spring, uh, right when he was hired on. So um, they, they hit the – they're very personable. They're very welcoming. They talk to you. Um, they have a former Mississippi State standout, Chad Bumpus as one of their coaches. Um, he coaches their wide receivers. But um, they come out in a lot of different – funky formations they're they're a team that's heavily predicated in run and play action and rpo and i think it's uh you know they're just very they just mix up things they 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 seem to have a good uh rhythm about their play calls they seem to have uh they seem to hit those vertical uh shot plays at the right time and they get big chunk yardage and they're just they're just very effective efficient with the ball they 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 take advantage they, they don't make a whole lot of they don't make a ton of mistakes they take advantage of of what they got and the opportunities that they get and I think that's kind of what's gotten them gotten them this far and, and it's not really a surprise to you look at Mark Hudspeth over at Louisiana Lafayette back in the day very yeah. fundamentally sound team won 10 games a couple times so he's yeah. a good coach he just yeah, yeah had, a, had a few issues that Louisiana, and that's why he's not at a bigger name program. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, Josh, uh, coach, uh, you guys both taking North Dakota State? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Madison or Northern Iowa, Josh? I p- I picked the upset a week ago, and I-, I felt good about it. But that James Madison offense, I think, is just. It's going to put up a score too big for you and I. The, the defense will battle hard for 60 minutes, but the offense, just you can't trust them to score more than like 13, 14 points. So I'm going to take the Dukes. Coach? The Dukes. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Dukes. Um, James Madison. I, I just I saw LSU do this to Georgia last week, and uh, I think it's going to happen here. All right. Um and Montana or Weber State, Josh? Oh, man, it, it, it's the toss-up game. I am going to lean Weber just because they really um, just crapped the bucket in the first game. I don't see them having four turnovers. I think they will play better. They're playing at home, and – I don't know. It's so tough to beat a team twice. I know Ohio State just did it to Wisconsin, but uh, I just think Weber plays a lot better and pulls a few tricks out and, and manages to win the game. I don't have much to go for it. I don't have any reason to, but I'm going to take the home team. Coach? Yeah. When all things are even, I take the home team uh, just because the the travel um, – you know, the unfamiliarity with the territory and all the factors that go into being a road team, uh, especially this late in the game. Uh, all things even, I'm going to take the home team. And finally, 
We got the Govs, and we got Montana State. I mean, I, I'm we, you guys train. know who I'm taking here. but I'm riding the train for another week. So I mean, here. the Purdue train rolled right by my house when I started talking about him earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was like, uh, it was like, what is it? Uh, Manifest Destiny? No, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's exploring the West Coast. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm gonna take the Govs here. Um, they're just, I really like their quarterback play. Uh, I really like how they involve them in the run game as well. That's something I didn't mention uh, a moment ago. Um, so I'm gonna take the Govs here. All right. At the very least, you get to call them the Govnas. The Govnas. And you get uh, to scream at the TV, let's go pee. Let's go pee. Uh, governor up. Gov up. Gov up. Oh, wow. Wow. We said at the same time. That's that was pretty impressive. Uh, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, this weekend, uh, we have the 120th annual Army Navy game coming to you from um uh the link in philadelphia the philadelphia guys we haven't talked much about army this year came in with pretty um, high expectations and it has uh not lived up to expectations how many passes have they attempted that could that could go into it <laughs> i mean kelvin hopkins is uh their quarterback has attempted 75 on the year yeah, mm. there you go. <laughs> There's their problem. They tend to too many dangum passes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 75 for them in 12 games, and that's like six. Yeah, six and a half a game. That is where that is way too much for them. They must uh, be air raid now. Malcolm Perry <laughs> feels like he's been at Navy forever. Um, right now, he had another ho hum 1500 yards in the ground this year as the middies quarterback. Um, speaking of uh, Austin P, Malcolm Perry from Clarksville, Tennessee, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, you know, his, his senior season has been very good. Navy flying under the radar a little bit there in the American, but they still, uh, they come into this game nine and two and pretty heavy betting favorites. Uh, Josh, you know, uh, if Army if, if Army wins this one, uh, obviously it makes up for everything else that has sort of uh, not gone their way this year. But they've lost some pretty questionable games, including at home to San Jose State. Um, they lost, you know, uh, a uh, after that game at Michigan, which they barely, barely lost uh, in double overtime. Uh, it has not uh, looked all that good. They uh, they only won two of their last uh, eight games. Yeah, the, the problem for Army is just sometimes you have seasons where the bounces don't go your way, and that's what's happened for Army. You look at their losses. So three points against Michigan in overtime. Two lanes, they're really their only blowout. They lost that game by nine. They mm-hmm. lost at Western Kentucky also by nine. They lost to Georgia State by a touchdown. They lost by five to San Jose State. They lost by four to a really good Air Force team. And then trekking all the way across the country out to Hawaii when Hawaii was rolling just before the Mountain West title game. They lost that one by 21. And you know, it's just hard when you're losing these like heartbreaking one loss, one, one possession games over and over and over again. Army's a lot better team than their record indicates, which is kind of a 
classic trap for Navy. So don't be surprised if Army, knowing that this is their Super Bowl, knowing that this is their last time to kind of right a lot of the wrongs of having a, a, a season just not go their way. Um, they'll be playing with a lot of juice. And so I, I think it's going to be a classic Army-Navy game. They're always close. Army's better than their record would indicate. Monster rivalry game. Um, knowing how this game goes in Philadelphia, probably about a foot of snow on the, on the ground. It'll probably be like uh, 13-13 going into the fourth quarter, and we're all excited for a classic finish. I'm I'm always excited for this game. Yeah, I think this is the I think this is the year that uh, Navy regains control of the series. Um, I know they had a chokehold of it um, for a really long time, and then Army's kind of taken it back the last two three years. Um, the um, definitely the last two winning, but I think uh, the year before that as well, uh, where they played them played them tight. But I think Navy's going to regain control of it um, because they're just a they're just a better, more established overall program. I think Jeff Mockin has done a tremendous job with with that Army program, but I just don't think they've established um, the same sustained level of success that Niamh Lolo has at the Naval Academy. And uh, it's going to take a while for Monken uh, to do that. He's going to have to exude some, uh, some patience and that, you know, if he can, I think he can turn army into a program um, that runs almost as efficiently and as, as well as uh, the Naval Academy. So, um, but I I like Navy uh, on Saturday. I think they, uh, they're just, they're just playing too well. They just do everything. Uh, extremely well and and they've had a couple of hiccups the last couple of years but I think they get back on track yeah it, it feels like it's navies to lose in this one um all right well we're going to do uh, a couple of quick quick uh bowl previews just for two games uh the first two bowl games which are held on the 20th of December uh Friday the 20th um, uh, the first of these, and quite frankly, guys, if my team wasn't going to a New Year's Six game, my first choice of bowl games to go to would be this one. It is the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. Uh, best location, uh, you know, tied with Hawaii probably for a bowl game. And let's face it, who doesn't want to go to the Bahamas? Uh, this year, we've got the Bulls of Buffalo and uh, Lance Leopold uh, facing off against the Charlotte 49ers uh, in a matchup of two teams that are awfully, awfully similar, Josh. They are awfully, awfully similar. They finished the season remarkably similar. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte winning um, five straight to get to a bowl game buffalo winning five of their last six to get to this bowl game so both teams you kind of wrote them off it feels like a while ago but they had some nice seasons uh buffalo very balanced on offense um jarrett patterson their running back with 1600 yards a pretty quiet uh 1600 yards based on how you know, they just didn't live up to expectations. Well, I don't um, even know if it wasn't they lived up to expectations, just yeah. with, with, with what graduated for them last year. Yeah. It was hard and to have any expectations for them. I yeah. think they surpassed expectations. I think I picked yeah. them to go like four and eight this year. Yeah. So, I mean, 121st in passing, ninth in rushing, that kind of tells you 
the story of how they go um, 36th in points for um, 22.3 points against pretty respectable um, Charlotte, not quite as good running 26th, but a little bit better passing 82nd, uh, 31.6 points per game four, but their defense, Ooh, 32.5. You don't like that negative point differential. I think because of that, I'm leaning a little bit towards Buffalo, but they're very remarkable teams, uh, uh, similar teams. I'm also really excited for Charlotte. I believe this is their first bowl in program history. So hats off to them for going there. And they, their fans get one hell of a trip, to say the least. So uh, have fun down there, good people of Charlotte. Coach? Very, very impressed with uh, the job that uh, Will Healy's done there um, at Charlotte making them uh they're still relatively brand new program so um hats off to him uh for the seven and five record coming actually coming from austin peak um, yeah uh will Hilly can coach and this is in fact their first bowl game yes um it is in school history so um you know i i think it's going to be uh this is going to actually be a really good and fun matchup because um, you have uh, the first-time uh, team in there from uh, with, with Charlotte, and then you have Lance Leopold, who, um, you know, I, I've made no no secret as to uh, why I think he's uh, worth his weight in gold in the MAC conference. I'm surprised he hadn't been looked at. Um, I'm willing to. I'm I'm excited. I'm curious, excited. Uh, to see what Boston College is going to do. I was literally just going to say that. He is. He would be such a good fit for BC. I mean, he really would, and I don't know why Boston College is just not pulling the trigger. But uh, statistically, Buffalo is uh, ninth in rushing, hundred twenty first in passing. That's not good, um, and seventy third overall uh, ranked offense. <clears throat> uh, defensively, they're uh, fourth. Uh, in rushing defense, 23rd in passing defense, or seventh overall um, in uh, in defense there. Um, so I think it's uh, I think you can kind of see where they're at. They're a they're a heavy power running team that um, that uh, chews the clock and they play really good defense. They're very stingy against the run. Um, so I think um, that's going to obviously be be the game plan for them. Will Healy is kind of more of a um, open up and go, but I, I think uh, just kind of where Charlotte is as a program, uh, it's pretty impressive that they're ranked that they're ranked 52nd in uh, total offense. Uh, they're 26th in rushing, 82nd in passing. That's kind of surprising, um, kind of knowing what his philosophy is. They're 99th in rush defense, so uh, they play, uh, Buffalo plays right into their weakness, so I think uh, this is a good matchup if you're a Bulls fan. And uh, I think they'll have a lot of success on the ground. Um, they'll have moderate success um, through the air. And I think um, Charlotte's going to try to uh, run on Buffalo. And that's not going to work out too well. So I, I like the Bulls here um, because I think matchup-wise, unfortunately for the 49ers, uh, they don't match up well because what, what Charlotte does well um, Buffalo does a good job of defending it and vice versa. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm going to pick the Bulls in this one, but um, not a whole lot between these two. And good for Charlotte for getting to their first bowl game. Uh, let's then quickly head down to uh, Frisco, Texas, um, uh, which will be uh, in between being the uh, host of the, or I should say right before being the host of the FCS championship games and the semifinals, it will be hosting the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl uh, down there in Toyota Stadium. Uh, between the Utah State Aggies and the Kent State Golden Flashes, uh, Kent State had to win out in their last three games in order to get here. Um, uh, Utah State, had you know a, a bit of a disappointing year some people picking them to as a potential uh you know uh not just a dark horse to win the mountain west but also to maybe be one, the, the group of five team represented in the new year's six games uh did not happen under coach in coach harry gary anderson's first season surprise surprise um i think jordan uh, love is in the uh i think he's in the uh portal too he's on the portal he's going to the nfl draft yep he is playing though in the game Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, you know, and he first did of not all, have a, the, the, the season they, uh, you know, we kind of expected out of him. Oh, well, head coaching will do that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's give some love first of all to Kent state. You oh, mentioned they yeah, won out. He is in the draft. Yeah. I mentioned they won out, uh, Sean Lewis, his second year, former Badger tight end and kick mm-hmm. returner from way back in the day. That's a nice combo. Yeah, I got a lot, lot of love the tight end kick returner yeah. combo, almost um, as good as the Brian Erlacher <laughs> um, linebacker returner combo. Yeah, 2-10 uh, and ten, his first year, improved to 6-6, six and 5-3. Six, and three. Uh, I, I saw some of that game that they they won to uh, over Eastern Michigan because obviously Eastern was my adopted team. So I watched a little bit of that game. Those kids were buying in. He had some hashtags on the good old tweets uh, about like flash up and and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the kids are buying what he's selling. He brings a lot of energy to it. I think the talent gap between Utah State and Kent State will prove decisive. I also think with Jordan Love heading off the NFL, he's going to want to end his collegiate career on a high note. However, Mr. Anderson, does anyone want to guess his last bowl win? Uh, when he was last at Utah State, I assume. He won a bowl? He is one and two in bowl games. He won the 2012 famous Idaho Bowl with Utah State. Yep. So it's been a hot minute since he's prepared for a bowl. But it's also been a hot minute since he's prepared for bowl as the Utah State coach. Oh, <laughs> because he made two bowl games with the Badger coach, didn't even coach in the second one, yeah. um, just flat out left and let Barry coach in that one. And yeah. then, and then, and then clearly Oregon State never made a bowl. No. And, you know, you look at what Boise or what Utah State does. Well, you know, 84th and rushing, that's not terribly impressive. Negative point differential. That's not very good. They barely beat some teams that aren't so hot. But and Josh, they're just so flat. They're it's Gary Anderson's just not a good coach anymore. Um, but I do think ultimately the talent will win out for Utah State. But just I wouldn't be surprised if Kent State wins this game. 
Uh, maybe it's some old Badger blood, but um, I, I kind of hope Kent State wins this game too. Yeah, for Utah State, I kind of hope that because I think uh, they can be a pretty good program. But um, I, I think, honestly, um, for a struggling, underachieving team and a quarterback that wants to go out on a high note, this is kind of what the doctor ordered. Uh, Kent State yeah. is really bad on defense. They're 120th <laughs> overall. Um they're almost DFL in rushing, so it's like it's all, a it's, all good. it's like a in was it an immovable force against a unsta- un, what is it uh, it's the against... unstoppable force versus the immovable object. There we go. Yes, uh, something's got to give um, as far as uh, offense because because you know Kent State is really bad at stopping the run. They're okay at stopping the pass, um, but they're not very good overall, and they don't. They're extremely, remarkably mediocre um, offensively. Uh, they don't do anything. Uh, can you be well. extremely mediocre? Yeah, you can <laughs> be. Uh, that you're, you can be the golden flashes of Kent State. Um, <laughs> so I think this doesn't bode well because you have uh, Jordan Love who wants to have his last hurrah, which I think he will. Um, this is kind of what the doctor ordered for Utah State to get back on track. Uh, so, so I think that they will. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to, if, uh, Gary Anderson wants to have any shred of success in the, in the future, both long-term and immediate. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Gary Anderson as a coach or Kent state as a program, but I do have faith in the Utah state infrastructure and Sean Lewis as a coach. So it's sort of, you know, pick your poison here. Uh, you know, that could actually mean we, we get, a, we get a great game. We could have, I mean, I, it, you know, the over under here is set at, at 65 and it wouldn't surprise me if, if they surpass that midway in the th- through the third quarter, because, you know, like you guys said, we know that Utah state can score. Kent state can't really stop anyone. Um, but I, I do think Kent state has some weapons and I do think that, you know, if Dustin crumb gets going, he's a you know pretty good dual threat quarterback. He also takes care of the ball. 18 touchdowns, only two picks this year. Um, I'll take that any day, quite frankly. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a lot of touchdowns per game. It's not, he's not putting up gaudy stats through the year. Only, you know, 2,300 and change yards uh, for the year. It's less than 200 per game, but he's not, he's not turning the ball over, um, you know, and they've got a bunch of guys uh, who can run the ball. So, I don't know. It'll be fun. I, I, I'll never believe in, in Gary Anderson. I'm actually probably in a, in a confidence pool would, would pick Kent State, but they'd be one of the lower teams on my board. But hey, that's yeah. just me. So. Uh, I have a random uh, gripe just real quick because oh. this was our last thing for the show, but uh, Coach Hot oh. Rod Won the Luke Rosa tonight. Oh, I saw that. 20, 25 of 31, 119 points, 44, 44 extra points. However, his percentage was down 2% this year compared to last year. Yeah, I was surprised that he yeah. won. He went one of three in the SEC title game, obviously, 27-point margin. He wasn't the difference, but it certainly didn't help. Um, one of two against Georgia Tech. Um one of three in the double overtime loss. So he's single-handedly responsible basically for 
choking South Carolina game away. Yes. Beats out Iowa's Keith Duncan, 29 of 34. So, um, you know, he makes four more kicks than Hot Rod. Also 100% on extra points. Obviously attempted way fewer because it's Iowa. Um, You think Brian Ferrets for that? Yep. He was 5% higher than Rodrigo. And if you look at his game splits the last few games, um, two of two against Nebraska, including the game winner, um, four field goals against Illinois. He missed two really long ones, um, four of six. So he was responsible for 12 of Iowa's 19 points. Um, hit a big kick against Minnesota. Uh, he was like the only thing that went right against Wisconsin, three of three kicking. Uh, another close game against Purdue, 26-20 win. He went four of four. So I, I got to wonder, Coach, like, can you steal that thing from the University of Georgia and mail that to the correct winner? Because I think it would be fair to say that that was total BS. It's good marketing, I guess, from Georgia. Um, <laughs> if uh, if Hot Rod was not uh, – if he was not also named Specs. <laughs> um, I think they gave it to the story more than they did the actual uh, kicker, which I, I'm, I think I'm they gave that... it to him just for his rec specs. The story of yeah. having his uh, worst season statistically since he was a freshman. Yeah. And the story of him, like how he got his scholarship and, you know, he was not a scholarship player until like, three weeks into the season and oh so so keith duncan who wasn't a scholarship player till the last week of the season lost his starting job after 2016 and has been riding the pine for but but espn did not cover that it's just good marketing from georgia's uh you know that's just whoever whoever ran the marketing campaign for for hot rod i'm we need to hire them for our show because they, they could make us into celebrities. Well, if the voters of a kicking award are swayed by a campaign, then all the, from a marketing campaign, then all is lost for this country because you look at the stats and there's absolutely a no brainer. Yeah, no, you're right. I, that's the only thing, that's the only logical explanation I can think of um, because nothing else makes sense. I, I was surprised that, uh, after he missed those kicks, I was like, "Yeah, that that'll that'll do it for the Luke Rose Award. He ain't winning that thing." So, yeah, I was just as surprised as you guys were, but you know, at least whatever. Jonathan Taylor won the Doke. I was, I mean, I thought I thought Chuba might win it, but uh, I, I'm I'm glad JTT won it. He will have finished. He, he finishes. He he's playing in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, if, if he gets his career average in the game, he's going to finish with about 6,200 yards in three seasons. Um, we'll have never been invited to New York for the Heisman. Oh, wow. You know? Which is, I mean, his best statistical season was last year, which was the team's worst season. So I get it. I get it. I just, I feel like, you know, we've been, I, we, I, I during the off season, there will be an, an, an episode dedicated to, uh, the entire running back class, the high school class of 2017 uh, but, tailbacks are, in my, my opinion, but, possibly the greatest collection of uh, tailbacks in history. And Taylor is the best of them all. 
But Matt, the the Heisman needs to honor a quarterback because there's no other quarterback award out there. <laughs> other than the Johnny Unitas and the Davy O'Brien. Or not the Davy O'Brien. That's the wide no. No, David, you know, receiver. Blitnikoff is wide yeah, receiver. Davey yeah, O'Brien's David. quarterback. And then there's well, another one for a senior quarterback. There's like a Warfel, yeah. Danny Warfel Award, I think. Yeah. Well, um, quarterbacks but, don't get enough recognition. Look, they're the, ratings, the unsung heroes of yeah. college football. Look, the ratings on this are going to be awful. They invited Jalen Hurts to get the drama of having a third straight Oklahoma kid. But, dude, like, Justin Fields is surrounded by absurd talent at Ohio State. I actually think that J.K. Dobbins is the best player on Ohio State's offensive side. I really do. And Jalen Hurts, fun story, but, like, mm, I don't know. Did, did he do anything different than, like, I mean, was he that all that? I mean, I don't know. It's, he I mean, was and and a bag of chips. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he almost cost them the Baylor game the first time with like a million turnovers. So, huh. I mean, Joe Burrows is going to win this. They get a landslide. He's who I would pick, but and he, and he yeah. should. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think that speaking of Ohio State, I think the best guy in that offense might be Wyatt Davis, the guard. I, yeah. That guy's a freaking mauler, man. I'm surprised they didn't invite Chase Young. They did. <laughs> to New York City? Yeah. What? No, I, he's going to New York? Why? He missed four games. He missed two games. Whatever. He shouldn't have missed any. That was BS. We all know that. We all like. Um. Well, hold on. I just learned something, Josh. Uh, if for those of you still listening, uh, th- this is going to be a deep cut between uh, me and Josh. Uh, are you familiar with the blog Letterman Row? You're probably not. It's no. an Ohio State blog, Josh. Do you know who uh, is uh, one of their uh, inside writers and it, for Ohio State basketball? Terrence and Diles. podcasters. Oh yeah, baby, Terrence Styles. <laughs> That's amazing. You gotta love it when his bio reads: Terrence Styles played for for Ohio State men's hoops between two thousand one and two thousand six. What? That is such a long period of time <laughs> for one of these guys. Oh lord. Okay, if you're still listening now, God bless you. Um, well, if you want to talk about long careers in a in a sport do you heard of iowa basketball legend jess settles uh enlighten us all right so uh jess settles uh he had some injury issue so he played 27 games in 93 26 and 94 32 and 95 uh played Parts of 96 and 98. <laughs> you heard that right. He set out the 1997 season. What? So he played 93, 94, 95, 96, 98, 99. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's a, that's a career right there. 
on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up uh, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator here in the Music City, the coach, Corey Burton, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting up there in the windy city of Chicago, Illinois, Josh Cook. This is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's go pee. 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 Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.